Here's Adam Silver. With the first pick in the 2014 NBA Draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select. What is going on, everyone? And welcome back to another NBA Redraft by Coast Coast Podcast. Love the support we've been getting the last couple of videos. Uh, about 40 views on our last Sunday talking about 325 on our MLB race video absolutely going crazy make sure you guys go down below follow us on instagram we got a lot of content popping out there daily but um we're gonna hop into this 2014 draft a bit of a step up from the 2013 draft where we saw you know a lot of no-name guys going out there you know if we did like the furl first round i don't think we could name enough players in that entire draft but uh this draft on the other hand uh pretty star talented at the top and then it begins to you know fall down but there's a lot of really solid role guys that any NBA team would want to have on their team. So uh, we're going to hop straight into it. Uh, I had the first overall pick. Um, and the first two picks of this draft were two guys that many thought were going to be generational type forwards. We got Andrew Wiggins, uh, the presumed number one pick, basically since he was coming out of high school, and Jabari Parker, a forward from Duke, who showed signs of being, you know, the next great Carmelo Anthony, Paul Pierce, so on and so forth. But injuries kind of derailed his career. And Andrew Wiggins, whether it be situation or what happened to him, never really panned out to what he was. So uh, in reality, this pick ended up being traded to the Timberwolves for Kevin Love to form the super team in Cleveland. But today it's staying with the Cleveland Cavaliers and they're going to be getting the best big man. I mean, sorry, the best center in the NBA uh, when healthy. Because Anthony Davis, I would say, is still the best big man. But I'm taking Nikola Jokic here. Uh, he just won his first NBA MVP. I think it's pretty straightforward. I wouldn't say there's much uh, contest here. I mean, obviously Embiid's been good, but uh, Embiid's had a lot of problems with injuries. So uh, I'm going to take Jokic, and we're going to move on. Jose's with, on the board from Milwaukee. Obviously a team just looking for some star power out there. Uh, at the time, Giannis still hasn't really come into his own yet. It was just his second season. Uh, you know, Chris Middleton still coming around. Like the joke was saying, these guys are in the NBA Finals right now, and their two best players were 60 overalls in 2K just a couple of years ago. So, Jose, I'll hand it off to you. Yeah. Um, there's really only one guy I could take here. And it's kind of funny that the top two guys coming out of this draft, like looking back, are big men. Um, it's Joel Embiid. He's, you know, probably the most dominant big man when healthy especially in the post. But he can also, you know, shoot it a little bit. He's, he's very versatile. The thing is, his only caveat is he's only played 51 career games in the NBA, which is just insane. I mean, he can't play a full season. Um, but when he is out there, he's giving you the best chance to win. Yeah, can't go wrong with that. I mean, literally, he just battled health injuries, I believe. It took him two seasons uh, to even play on the court. But that opening game when he played against OKC at the Wells Fargo uh, Arena Center, uh, was an absolutely fantastic game, showing his array of post moves. Um, I still think he's a guy that we could have two MVPs from this draft class. I think if Embiid stays healthy, they get the situation around them fixed. Obviously, Ben Simmons is a guy that probably is going to be on his way out of Philadelphia shortly uh, due to this the relationship just not being there anymore. So uh, I'll hand it off to Carson. Uh, I think there's really two guys that you can debate for this pick, but I think uh, due to the fit, I think there's a guy that might be the clear option here, but I'll hand it off to Carson for the uh, Philadelphia 76ers who originally selected Joel Embiid now on the clock. Yeah, I mean, there's four four all-stars in this draft. Obviously, Jokic and Embiid are both multi-time all-stars. And then you also have Levine and Randall. 
uh, you know, two other all-stars. I think those are kind of the two players you're alluding to, you know, kind of go back and forth with them. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take Levine just because I think, you know, he struggles, struggles defensively at times. I think just, I think that's really just due to a lack of effort um, because he's so, he's so athletic that he really should not be uh, as bad of a defender as he is. But I really do think it's just a lack of effort and just because he has to take so much, um, he takes so much pressure on offense. But I mean, this is a guy that, you know, can really go head to head points wise with any star in the league. Um, and, you know, last two seasons, I mean, he was 27 a game, this uh, 25 the season before that, 23 and 2018, 2019. He's just like one of the most like elite bucket getters we have in the league. And I think, you know, that alone, like um, compared to the other guys that are kind of in this range, like Randall, you know, Wiggins, Hell, I think just that that elite scoring alone, I think is enough to warrant him being taken third overall. I think the Jokic and Bede argument, I just want to go back to that real quick. Um, it is very, very close. I think if Embiid was just like, you know, played like 10, you know, to 12 more games a season, I think it'd be much, much closer just because his defense is so much more elite than Jokic. But it, it's a great debate. And I, I'm so excited to see these two, like, you know, just keep competing for kind of like best center in the league title the next, you know, four or five seasons, you know, hopefully barring injuries. Um, so that it's just so fun to watch both them, you know, both them finishing one and two this year in the MVP race. Um, but getting back to Levine, taking Levine at three to, you know, so he's the process now, Zach Levine. Yeah, and I don't think you can go wrong with that. It really took him a little bit to flourish into his own, you know, in Minnesota. I feel like yeah. he kind of, you know, kind of went under the radar. You know, he was thrown in that uh, Bulls trade, which I'd say the Bulls ended up winning in the long run since, I mean, the Timberwolves ended up only getting like Robert Covington and like Dario Sarch out of uh, Jimmy Butler when they traded him. So uh, we'll move on to Orlando here. Uh, with the fourth overall pick, they selected Aaron Gordon, a forward out of uh, Arizona, who, you know, at this point is really known for being the guy who's gotten second place to Zach Levine in the dunk contest. And then uh, people want to send him off to China now after his playoff performance. Obviously had a really good start when he was on Denver uh, after the trade happened, but uh, don't really know if he's going to be, you know, a long-term answer there at the four for the Denver Nuggets. So uh, at number four pick, I'm going to take the better power forward in this draft. I'm taking Julius Randle, uh, a guy who played, who got injured in his first game of his season, played 14 minutes uh, and got injured, but then, you know, 2015, 2016 on really some like really bad LA teams before, you know, LeBron came around, uh, averaged a double double. And then Aussie this season in New York, he didn't play that great in the playoffs because the Hawks had such good team defense around him. But, you know, 24 points a game, 10 rebounds, six assists uh, on 41% from uh, three, 45 and a half in the field. Uh, a very talented guy that I think finally got a shot. You know, we saw flashes of it in New Orleans in that one season where he averaged 21 and a half and eight and a half uh, rebounds. But, you know, finally into his own in New York, he's a guy that really can't be the focal piece of your team. you got to have a second guy around him. I think, you know, it's going to be R.J. Barrett's going to be that third option. Uh, Randall's going to be that second option. they got to find another guy. But here in Orlando, um, it's probably going to be a guy that's going to get a lot of empty stats. But at the same time, I don't really think there's any other person you'd rather have in that situation. Uh, than Randall because he's going to be consistent with you. You know, hopefully you have one of the better 
front courts in the league when you're rocking Vucevic and Randall. So that should be promising. And then Oladipo, maybe you keep Oladipo. Um, who knows? Uh, you know, you don't go out there. You don't get Serge Ibaka because you have a lot of promise from Randall. So, you know, you maybe Oladipo ends up developing into that guy that wins the most improved player, becomes an all-star in Orlando because he was still really talented. So, you know, and Tobias Harris is still on the roster there in Orlando. So you'd have Tobias, Tobias Harris playing the three, uh, Randall at the four, Vucevic at the five, and uh, Victor Oladipo at the two. I think that's a pretty solid team. You know, yeah, maybe they get some better draft luck down the road. Uh, they could progress into maybe a sixth seed in the East. But right now, they're one of the more uh, – Yeah, that's better than what they've been doing the last couple of years. So Exactly. I mean, they finally blew it up. They're going to have two picks in the top ten of this year's NBA draft. So I'm taking Randall. And we're going to keep moving on down the board. Uh, Jose is going to be on the clock with the fifth pick. When the Utah Jazz took the Australian phenom Dante Exum, um, obviously out of Australia, a guy that never really panned out, you know, kind of that Michael Carter Williams build on him, uh, a little bit more of a shooter himself, but never really turned into the player that the Utah Jazz really need, needed at that point guard position. That's something that we've been talking about in these NBA redrafts so far is Utah really hasn't solidified that point guard position through these years, uh, you know, ever since like kind of Devin Harris felt was there and then, Mike Conley way down the line was the next guy to step in. So, uh, Jose, I'll hand it off to you. Uh, this board kind of gets a little bit iffy from here on out. So a lot more, you know, hot takes we're going to be having here from on out. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of conflicted here with the, with the jazz pick. This was a really like bad jazz roster. I mean, this was when Gordon Hayward was still coming into his own as a player. Um, Gobert was nowhere near the guy that he is now. Uh, so they really just needed like a guy out there that could take the ball and just like put up points. So for that reason, I'm just going to take best player available and maybe not the best fit, but I mean, he's a, he's a decent, he's definitely a scorer. He's definitely a bucket. Um, and he's developed, you know, a pretty solid defense now in a uh, golden state. And that man is Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. I mean, don't get you wrong. I mean, he is a bucket getter. I think people really thought they had a lot of faith in this guy after his third season in the NBA. Like, almost like in his 22-year-old uh, season, looked like he was going to be an all-star. He had just averaged 23.5 points on, you know, solid efficiency, 45 from the field, uh, 35.5 from uh, three. You know, it's kind of unfortunate that he's never really panned out into that, like, multiple-time all-star that many people thought he'd be. But, um, you know, like you said, in Golden State – He's been a guy that he's shown a lot of flashes of potential, but like developing into more of like a solid, like fourth option for this Warriors team, you know, maybe third option, but he is a guy that is probably going to be a trade candidate this off season, but still I wish nothing for the best of him. He's a bucket getter. That's what Utah needed out there with guys like go bear and favors really lacking uh, offensive potential. So it would be him at the two Gordon Hayward at the three. I think that'd be a solid yeah. scoring combo on the wings. And plus with like with Quinn Snyder, who I think is definitely shown he's, you know, one of the best coaches uh, in the league that we have right now. Uh, and just uh, that defensive identity, I think that just really could have helped shape Wiggins to become, you know, the type of defender we've been seeing flash of in Golden State, all, like in Utah. I think that really just would have been a great fit, fit for him. I was kind of hoping Wiggins would fall to me at six with the Celtics because that was kind of a similar situation where you get him with a really great coach like Brad Stevens. You know, you get him in a system. Um there's just really great developing talent. Um, Cause I think Wiggins is, I mean, you know, you mentioned it, like he still gets buckets. Like he's still, you know, he was still averaging like 
20 to 23 points a game in Minnesota like that that's something you know even if it's you know somewhat inefficient like that's still something I think if you can mold that into more efficient and just improving the defense getting him in a defensive minded system with his athleticism is just the key because I think I, I don't think Wiggins was ever really destined to be, you know like the number one like MVP guy that you know he was you know projected to be uh you know coming into this draft but Certainly, like the talent is just, you know, has always been there. It's just really been up to him, like mentally, and also just his situation and his fit, because I think he was just in a really bad spot in Minnesota. Yeah, but uh, before I hand it off to you, Carson, uh, like you're alluding to, uh, the Celtics got the number six pick in this draft. They took Marcus Smart, a guard out of Oklahoma State, who was really good in college. I believe he stayed an extra year uh, when he could have been even a lottery pick the year before. Uh, as we see from that draft, it would have been nice if he'd been in that draft, some more talent from there. But this is a Celtics team that doesn't really have a lot of talent looking at it. Um, obviously, they got a prime Jeff Green right now, averaging 17 points a game on this team uh, going into the offseason. Obviously, they have uh, the very talented Rajon Rondo. But otherwise, they don't really have guys, that, you know, besides Avery Bradley, but no guys on this team that really panned out into something like fantastic, you could say. So, uh I don't know if you're going best player available. Don't know if you're going to go for fit down the line, but I'll hand it off to you. Six pick on the board. Um, it's really hard to imagine the Celtics without Marcus Smart, uh, just because I think he's been, you know, such an integral part of these teams last few years. I mean, you just a guy that kind of everyone wants, you know, a great defender, a great teammate. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to take Smart. I think I'm going to go with Capella. Um, you know, he's, uh, you know, second in win shares and third in board in this whole class. Um, and this team doesn't really have any centers anyways. I mean, they have Tyler Zeller and Kelly Olenek as the two centers that are on roster at this point in time. Um, and I think, you know, even though Marcus Smart has probably panned out better than Bradley, you, you already have, you know, Bradley, you have Crowder. Um, then you also have Isaiah Thomas. And I think pairing Capella with Isaiah Thomas uh, would just be a great fit because I th uh, Thomas was so great at getting the basket. I think not only do you have his elite scoring ability around the basket, but you, then you have Capella as that lob, you know, dump, dump off option. I think they would have been, you know, a great, great duo. Um, and just would have been really hard to stop in the paint, especially in those prime Isaiah years, you know, like 2016, 2017 range. Um, I think it just would have been a really, really nice fit. And defensively as well. I mean, Capella is a, you know, a very, very elite uh you know, inside defenders. So I, th I think it would have been a, a good fit. It's just tough to, you know, not see smart, but I think I, I'd probably end up rather having uh, Capella. I'd definitely rather have Capella right now, but I think, uh, you know, over the course of the career, I think Capella as well is probably, probably a better option. Yeah. And I mean, it's crazy to think that this draft produced like today, like three of the top eight centers in the league. I think you can make a case that Cambella could be higher based off the season he had, but I mean, if you're looking at it right now, you got to put guys like Vucevic ahead of him. You got to put Carl Anthony Towns. You uh, need to maybe... pair Capella with like an elite point guard, though. And I think like pans out. I mean, Isaiah, but uh, you know, was just probably a year or two removed from hitting that elite, you know, uh, threshold that he was at for a couple years. So I, I just am in love with that tandem. But like Capella definitely needs, I mean, he had Harden, he had CP3, now he has Trey Young. I think that's how you really unlock Capella as, as a vertical threat. Yeah, I mean, and now look at it. This is a thing that Boston's been needing for these last couple of years that people keep harping on them from. They never really had a big man. Now they have a guy. If you're looking at this point, I mean, um, Embiid doesn't end up on the Sixers, but like they would have their big man, the guy that was able to stop the big man. Assuming, let's say, 
Milwaukee is the team that ends up being that Philadelphia team for them. So it's Embiid and Giannis. That would obviously be the most ridiculous duo we've ever seen. But um, oh my God. Clint Capella would have to – he would be, you know, solid out there, at least limiting what they would be able to do. I mean, I don't think anyone could stop that. I mean, Philadelphia would end up getting – I mean, Embiid wouldn't play, and Giannis takes a while to develop. Uh, it would they would they Milwaukee would get more high first-round lottery picks. They would have Middleton. They would have uh, Embiid. They would have – uh, Giannis, that would be a ridiculous team. But we'll keep moving on, though. Uh, more picks to get through in this draft. Uh, number seven, the Los Angeles Lakers selected Julius Randle. Obviously, we talked about him already. Uh, but this time, I'm here on the board. Uh, look at who I got here. Uh, you kind of really need a guy that's got potential to really, like, be the best player out of everyone in this draft. Uh, that's still left on the board. And I would take Smart, but I don't really I think Smart would have developed too well in that situation. So I'm going to go, even though Smart is ranked higher on my big board, I'm going to take Bogdanovich here, uh, a little bit of a wild card pick. Not really, though. I mean, he had a very fantastic uh, season this year. You know, we got two Hawks guys going back to back. But Bogdanovich, light out three-pointer, a guy that can really create his own shot. He's a playmaker as well. You know, that secondary ball handler that they uh, the Lakers would be looking for uh, today alongside LeBron James. Um, but, you know, I think he's more of an asset for this team anyway when it comes to trade time. You know, Aussie Marcus Smart's good, but it took a while for Marcus Smart to develop a three-pointer. While Bogdanovich, Aussie, it's going to take a couple years for him to get there from overseas. Um, I think he's a guy that can, you know, he's like a less less defense, more offense like KCP role. Uh, for this team. So uh, I'm taking Bogdanovich here. And now uh, Jose is going to be so happy here. He gets the rewrite history here. Sacramento Kings uh, with the eighth pick here selected. Nick Stauskas, a guard out of Michigan, who really looked like he was going to be that solid, you know, shooter, you know, a J.J. Redick type mold, but really never panned out to it, you know, due to some unfortunate management uh, for the Kings. You know, we're praying for them. Aussie Jose put them uh, as the fifth best team in five years, which, I think you could see if they get some changing, you know, fire Luke Walton to begin with, but we'll avoid that conversation for now. I'll hand it off to Jose. Yeah. Who are you going to add here to the Sacramento roster at pick eight? You're really leaving me in a tough spot. Um, I was hoping I could get Bogey, a guy that we've obviously seen succeed in our system. Um, whether you want to call it a system, that's a different question, but um, yeah, I really, I'm kind of conflicted here now. I don't know. Um, like, I want to take T.J. Warren just because we've never had, like, an elite scoring wing. But he's also just super inefficient. I feel like he would have been probably traded within, like, two years because we would have never seen results. Um, so, if, I'm just going to take Marcus Smart, um, a skilled guy, obviously a, a gritty, like, defensive guy that's developed into his own as a shooter. Um, and I think could probably still fit on our team today, like, we could definitely use a guy like Marcus Smart. He doesn't put up the best stats, um, but he's a bit like Draymond in a sense where his his impact goes beyond just the numbers. And, and you know, he's, he's doing all like the little stuff just to get under the other team's skin. So, yeah. Over, all right, one question. Over under 50 combined technicals between him and Boogie Cousins on the same team? Uh, over. It might like fight in the locker room. But, like, <laughs> I've heard stories of them like throwing hands after games. 
that would have to be the most toxic team ever. Marcus Smart and uh, <laughs> Boogie Cousins. Where did Smart go to school? Smart went to Oklahoma State. State. Yeah, State. Yeah, he was Him and Joel Embiid have tons of beef. And you think Joel Embiid's a hostile guy? Look at DeMarcus Cousins. It's getting ridiculous, you know. I mean, Boogie was on his way out, like, in the next uh, two seasons. So. He would have been out earlier if Marcus Smart was playing with him. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Or they would have gelled together because they both, they're both dogs, and, like, they would have formed, like, a nice little duo. Could have gotten the best out of Marcus Martin. Who knows? But, um, yeah, yeah, so we'll move on to pick nine. Uh, here, the Chicago Bulls selected a very promising big man in Noah Vonley out of Indiana. Obviously, uh, the last, in last year's draft, uh, we saw two products from Indiana go in the top five, Cody Zeller and uh, Victor Oladipo. But he, uh, this guy didn't really pan out too well. Uh, bounced around a lot of teams. You know, a solid, like, rebounding forward. But I think he just was way after his time. His game was a little bit aged. But uh, I'll hand it off here to you, Carson. Who you have Chicago taking here on the board? Um, yeah, I mean, this Bulls team was like, you know, this was really kind of like the last, um, you know, the last really good Bulls squad. I mean, like, this is like the famous, you know, Derrick Rose, like, game winner against the Cavs. Like, this was this season. Um, and, you know, they had a really good squad. I mean, they made it to the second round uh, for the playoffs. You know, they have, you know, a young Jimmy Butler who's, you know, finally kind of starting to come into his own a bit. Uh, D Rose, you know, Joakim Noah was still really good. They had Miritich, Paul Gasol, one of his uh, last, you know, pretty solid years. Taj Gibson, you know, this is like a really solid squad. And I think, you know, with this pick, I want to give them someone that can, you know, kind of come in right away because this team is already, you know, uh, one of the better teams in the East. Um, to hopefully give them someone, like I said, that can play right away, help, you know, give them a little extra boost in the playoffs. Um, so I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at either maybe like a Dinwiddie or a Clarkson. Gary Harris would fit right in with that defensive identity, you know, with with Tibbs. Um, but I think I'm going to go with the sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson. Uh, just he can come in right away and, and just get buckets for them. You know, it's kind of like similar how it just it's very similar to what his role is right now in Utah, where it's like a very, very defensive oriented team. And he can just come in and get buckets off the bench. Um, and I think that'd be, you know, perfect for him, especially on this team, uh, you know, to help with the scoring. Um, just come in, help right away. Doesn't have to play any defense. Let Jimmy, you know, Noah do that. Let Gibson do that. Um, and just go get buckets. I think that you can't go wrong with that pick. You know, really similar mold to a guy like Ben Gordon, who had been a really solid scoring guard for that team uh, just a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. So um, we'll keep going on this draft. Philadelphia. Uh, since it was the draft night trade, we're just going to stick with what the draft order was to begin with. Uh, so Philadelphia here in the clock, uh, obviously they just left Zach Levine third overall. So there are some guys um, you might want to put ahead of these guys, but it just makes sense how the board fits. I mean, obviously they had a crazy big man rotation because they ended up getting Jalil Okafor and Nero so well. But I mean, Jalil Okafor hasn't been drafted yet. So I'm going to take a guy that I've praised a lot on this podcast. I'm going to take Yusuf Nurkic, a big man um, out of uh, – is he international? Yeah, he's international. Yeah, international. So, yeah, I mean, a guy who went healthy, same thing with Embiid, uh, is a, has top 10 center potential. Um, 
I think the fit makes sense. You know, you got him and Zach Levine. I would put some guy in there like Jeremy Grant, but we know what he did with Philadelphia. It wasn't anything too special. Um, TJ Warren. It took a just, long time to develop. A very yeah, long time. He took a very long time to develop. Obviously, Clarkson's off the board. I mean, TJ Warren, like you said, he's a, he's inefficient. I mean, they're, I mean, they don't really need that kind of scoring yet. So they have it in Zach Levine anyway. So I think you got Nurkic down there, down low. I mean, who knows what they do with Michael Carter Williams. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take Nurkic there. So we're going to move on. The 11th overall pick, Denver's on the board. Pick Dougie McBuckets from Creighton. One of the best college scores uh, from downtown uh, that we've seen in a long time. So Gossy, I don't think Dougie Big Bucket's going to beat the pick here. So I'll hand it off to Jose. Who are you taking at number 11? Um, we're sticking with Denver as the team, right? Yeah, Denver. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a guy that was obviously on their team previously, uh, pretty recently, uh, and is like a pretty successful NBA player. Um, obviously, probably going to get traded soon is the best player on a bad Pistons team. And that is Mr. Jeremy Grant. Averaged 22 points this past season. Only four rebounds as like a 6'9 dude, which is kind of like hysterical. But yeah, taking Jeremy. You got Grant. Plumlee and, uh, and Stewart snapping all those rebounds. So Yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, still a really solid guy. I mean, he had he played really well when he was on Denver. Um, you know, does Denver does Jeremy Grant like give enough promise to them in those couple of years where they don't go out there and get Paul Millsap in free agency? Do they spend their money on another guy? You know, probably spending their money on another guy. Who knows? Denver might be able to have gone farther in the playoffs uh, in these last couple of years because I mean, sure, Paul Millsap's a very good veteran, but I think they're paying him like twenty million dollars a year. You could have gone out there in free agency and gotten a much more talented uh, wing score, you know, before Michael Porter Jr. became around. So we move on here. Uh, pick 12, Orlando's on the clock here. Uh, this pick ended up getting traded to Philadelphia, but we're going to ignore that. Uh, this is where Dario Sarge went off the board, a guy who uh, is really a solid backup big man right now, obviously on a team competing for the championship in the Suns. But don't think Dario Sarge is going to be the pick here. Carson, I'll hand it off to you. Where do you have Orlando going here? With their second pick in this lottery uh, after selecting uh, Julius Randle fourth overall. Uh, yeah, their second pick. I mean, I'm looking at guys. I'm looking at like, you know, Dinwiddie, Aaron Gordon, and then also kind of like TJ Warren. I'm looking at those three guys. Um, I think I'm going to go with Warren. I mean, you know, you guys mentioned the inefficiency. It's really just with his three-point shooting. I mean, he was shooting like an abysmal, like, 26 percent 22 percent 20 like 2016 to 2018 range but i mean uh this guy's like the last couple of seasons um you know he's 53 percent in 2019 2020 and then uh 48 percent from the field in 2018 2019 and just gets buckets that i figure you know you pair him with with all depot vucevic and uh you know we got randall going forth i mean like the, the it's a pretty solid squad right there. Like, I, I like that team in the East. I, I like them kind of meddling in, like, that, like, four to six range. I mean, much better than anything they've been doing. Um, but I just I just like the potential of Warren where I don't I don't want him being my number one scorer, but I definitely I would love, you know, Warren being my third or fourth, uh, you know, scorer and third or fourth or possibly best player. I mean, you know, the bubble MVP, uh, you know, so if we make it to the bubble, then that will be a huge boost uh, with Warren. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think I'd just rather have the elite, uh, the elite shot making and scoring of Warren over, uh, you know, what kind of Gordon and Dinwiddie bring to the table. All right. So, I think you could have gone Spencer Dinwiddie there to have that point guard, but it makes a lot of sense. Tobias Harris ended up on his way out of Orlando. So smart move for the, you know, the future of this team. You know, not to, not to have a guy like Evan Fournier uh, who sat there and ended up getting traded for a second round pick. So move on 13 here. Uh, Minnesota did select Zach Levine out of UCLA. Um, obviously he's already off the board here. So now I got to figure out where I'm going um, on this Minnesota team. You know, they're a year removed from getting, you know, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, and in this situation, they don't get Andrew Wiggins because that trade for Kevin Love doesn't happen. So right now they're rocking with Kevin Love. They got Nikola Pekovic. They got a bunch of guys that really aren't going to pan out in the league. So uh, I think the only option you got to go with, you know, they got Ricky Rubio there still too, but I'm going to rock with Spencer Dinwiddie, a guy that even if he doesn't start for them, he's going to be one of the best six men in the league. Nobody can not want a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie, a really good scoring guard who imagine if the Nets had had him in this year's playoffs, uh, had no. dealt, dealt with injuries a lot this season. Um, a guy that, yeah, he's one of the best. I say he's a top – yeah, he's a top 25 point guard when he's healthy. So, I'm taking if Spencer – If they Jim. had him, if they had him, like, they, I, they for sure would beat the Bucks. Yeah, because, I mean, you – Top 25 yeah. point guard, that, that means that he's, like, yeah. one of the five worst point guards if we're going by, like, starting guards. But if he's coming off your bench, then that's phenomenal. Exactly. So, got Spencer Dinwiddie here off the board. That leaves Jose here with the last pick. The Phoenix Suns on the clock. Uh, obviously, they selected TJ Warren out of NC State uh, and who ended up, like we were talking about earlier, got traded for cash considerations, uh, which, you know, kind of works out in the end. I mean, the Suns are in the NBA Finals. You can't go wrong with that. So, Jose, I'll leave it to you. Who are you taking as the last pick in this draft? Uh you know, obviously there's Dario Saric on the board, uh, a guy who's currently on their roster, currently in the finals, contributing on their roster. Um, and another guy who did jack shit this playoffs, who I was sadly going to take just because of his dunk contest performance, Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Um, I don't really know where he would fit on this team. They've got both of the Mark, uh, the Markeith and Marcus Morris. It's like they've got both at this point in time. So... I don't know exactly. Maybe one of them gets traded or something. Um, but, yeah, a bad Suns team. This is when they had, like, Eric Bledsoe and, like, Jameel Wilson, Channing Fry. So, so uh, yeah, you, you slipped on the picture. Squad. What if you win Joe Harris, though? A guy that could just be a six-man, whatever, for them. Just shooting the rock for them. I mean, I think it fit perfectly. But I think Aaron Gordon works fine. They had a kind of the once those Morris twins left, the power forward position was looking to be filled. I know they went after Lamarcus Aldridge when he was in free agency, went up going to Spurs. But I think Aaron Gordon worked fine. Uh, you know, a little bit less impactful than a guy like Jay Crowder, but still can provide that defense for them. Uh, can provide that lesson for him. It would be pretty fun to see him and DeAndre Aiden down there uh, playing the front court for them, catching some lobs from CP. And Devin Booker. Yeah. Can we just go over the honorable mentions real quick? I mean, there's still a lot of like really, really solid like role players that we didn't even get to draft. I mean, like you already mentioned Joe Harris, which like he probably deserved to be drafted, but that's just how 
deep this class is. I mean, Kyle Anderson, who's, you know, getting big time minutes on the Grizzlies. White Powell has been a solid center the last few years. You know, Rodney Hood, you know, has had his moments getting buckets in playoff games. Uh, Dario Sarge, Gary Harris before he fell off a cliff. What you know, you know, back in the day, like a few years ago, like him and Murray were like one of the best, you know, up and coming backcourts in the league. Um, like I said before, he just forgot how to shoot the ball. Um, and even Dante Exum, you know, has been a decent, you know, solid, you know, backup point guard. Uh, Alfred you know, Payton. Alfred Payton, too, you know, if you're looking for a defensive-minded backup point guard. Um, BA champion, Tory Craig. Tory Craig. Tory Craig's a guy that a lot of teams would want. So a really deep, solid draft. Like, a lot of just really, like, decent role. Like, guys that are still contributing. Yeah. Uh, is he the only champion in this draft? Uh, no. Mm. Wait. Hold up. That's a second. good question. Um. Like, I mean, it should have been Joe Harris, but no. Uh, yeah, no one. Uh, Bruno Caboclo, was he on the Raptors when they won? Nah, I think he got traded. Oh, yeah, he was gone. He was gone. I don't know yet. I think so. I mean, there's no one that comes to mind here if I'm scrolling through these names, unless there's like – because I don't yeah, think yeah. any of them – They would have been like a 14th or like 15th man or something. Yeah. Anasis was in this draft. Uh-huh. Anasis. But no, yeah. So uh, that concludes our uh, 2014 NBA redraft. Uh, next, we'll be heading on the 2015 draft, which pretty controversial. We'll see. Um, obviously, we got the NBA Finals starting tonight uh, at the time we're recording this. So who knows? We might have a different opinion if we see the Phoenix Suns might have a championship. If Devin Let's, Booker makes more sense. Yeah, we'll see how right. Booker play. Yeah, we'll see how Booker does. Obviously, going against who will probably be getting guarded by Drew Holiday. So he's got a tough matchup for him. I think it's going to be a lot of stuff to prove for these two teams. You know, does Giannis, you know, complete Wait, his Who's guarding CP then? Uh, probably Chris Middleton. Oof. Then who's on Crowder? Crowder doesn't really matter. I mean, they could put like Brooke Lopez on him. Yeah, that's true. Because he just spots up and shoots threes. Chris Middleton on CP3? Or, I mean, oh, you know, oh, yeah, because, I mean, who's starting at the – yeah, so, so the two used to be DiVincenzo, but now it's, like, Pat Connaughton, so it'll be – Maybe they'll try and hide Connaughton on, on Crowder or something. I'd put – what's his name? Uh, Drew Holiday on uh, Devin Booker 100%. Yeah. So, we'll yeah. see, though. I want to see that, too. It's going to be interesting series. You know, Giannis might complete his Hall of Fame resume at 26 years old. Or DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker begin their Hall of Fame uh, resumes with the first and CP three like so it, like that's like the cherry on top. It's really just like the only thing he's been missing. And the number one pick from that draft, who people which we will probably do the redraft for, he's not going to be the number one pick when we do that redraft. Is going to be the guy at the first ring out of that class. So, mm-hmm. without further ado, we're going to close this out. Thank you all for watching, and this has been Coast to Coast Podcast signing out. Peace. Peace.